the voice of Bellator MMA on Spike. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to MMA FanCast. Thank you for joining us. This is MMA FanCast. We are brought to you by Octagon247.com. My name is Ryan Middleton. I am your host, and I am joined by two of the least good-looking human beings that have ever existed. I am joined by two... I'm joined by one guy who is the oldest human being we've ever met and we've ever known and have ever heard speak... And I'm also joined by the 30 years younger version of him. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing to you the living legend, Jim Sahara Mooney. What's up? What's up? What's up? I'm still young enough to wrap you up like a pretzel. So we're going to have to set that date at some time in the future. Let the... uh, MMA fan cast fans know that it's going to be happening. And so, so you're looking on... to date me is what you're saying. No, no. Oh. Um, but we'll, we're going to have a role on the mat. You guys with and your... I'll show you what these old bones can do. Dude, you can't even walk. <laughs> you just need to stop right now. Um, but your, your glasses on your face, you know, have the light shining back of the screen and I can like see myself, which is certainly, um, a good thing when you're as good looking as I am. You are ugly. Also joining us today, a man who has quickly made his mark on his underwear, ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Dice Bailey. Thanks for having me, Ryan. You know, I hope you can see your refre- reflection in my glasses as well because you look like a human Picasso painting. So, you know, enjoy it. I I, I am a human Picasso. What does that mean? I don't even, I'm not even sure. It's not good. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. Picassos are works of art. I, I mean, they're beautiful, right? If you look at it in the right light and if you squint your eyes really hard, yes. Oh, I, I, I thought he was like a famous painter that painted beautiful paintings. I don't know if Jim Sahara is with us anymore, but he's frozen. And who knows? Uh, what happened? Who he's knows? back. Who knows what's up with him? Anyway, folks, we this is a special um, episode of MMA FanCast. We normally record. Yo, what happened? We normally record very early in the week. However, we're having some technical difficulties with Sahara. So um, we'll just have to bear with us with that. However, we there's so much to talk about this week that we decided we, we had to do two podcasts this week. So we, sh- we recorded on Monday night. We record on Thursday night. A lot of great stuff going on. 
we are going to get into the topics that we couldn't cover, that we didn't have the time to cover on Monday night, and we are going to um, we are going to attack those one by one, and we're also going to be able to to recap uh, Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series episode seven, which was of particular interest to Octagon twenty four seven and MMA FanCast. Were you watching Mark Cherico's UFC debut, Andrew Bailey? Yes, I was. I was watching Mark Cherico's UFC debut with enthusiasm, passion, subjectiveness, and it was painfully disappointing. I would have to agree as someone who has spent uh, got to spend a lot of time with Mark Cherico and his preparation, and and he was very gracious with us, and um, it did not go as planned. It would, did not go as, as – um, I mean, I've seen Mark Cherico fight a lot, um, both in person and in, you know, on his, you know, YouTube videos. And I can tell you that he did not look himself. It was very different. Not only um, fighting-wise, he didn't look himself, but also physically, he did not look himself. He didn't even look himself um, compared to how he did when I went out um, the week before or last week and shot some video and, and did an interview. He didn't look the same. Do you think there are issues with the weight cut or anything with that? I don't. I don't think it was issues with the weight cut. Uh, okay, so I know that Mark has some serious neck issues. He has some bulge. Uh, he has some neck issues, some vertebrae, whatever. Um, he didn't get into the specifics, but even. You know, when I when I interviewed him, and, and this is not an excuse that he's ever made or whatever. I know it affected his training big time. I know that, but I still thought he was going to be able to get to get through it. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily what it was. I don't know. I can tell you that he did not look like the normal Mark Cherico. And he did not physically or in the fight look like himself. See, I, I agree 110%. And one moment, though, when I thought he was going to end it was on the ground. You could just see how proficient he was when he was maneuvering over to the arm and then to the back. But once Santiago got back to his feet and Cherico was unable to get his back off of the fence and not circle out, I just I knew it was only a matter of time. You can't put yourself in that position. The really odd thing was when... Um... When they got back up to their feet after the failed, like, getting his hooks in and, and taking the back, Cherko looked right then and there, two minutes into the fight, he looked like he was tired. Yes, and I as, agree. And as soon as I saw that, I said, oh, no. Oh, no, this isn't going to be good. I, I was nervous for the fight. Once the fight got started and he got the takedown, I think the nerves kind of settled. Once he got up and he, like, I looked at him and he looked tired. And I don't know um, what happened 
at that point. You think it was just the adrenaline coming down from it? Just the I mean, moment? I, I don't know. He wasn't nervous. He wasn't, or at least he, he didn't think he would get nervous. Um, I don't know if he got nervous. He didn't say that he had, he had an adrenaline dump. He said he got lazy on the fence. Um, you know, I, we're going to, we're going to be able to talk to him. We'll, we'll be able to, um, have him on the podcast and kind of, you know, see what he says about it. And what we really want to do is not only that, but I mean, it's an accomplishment for him. You know, this is a guy who didn't wrestle in high school. He didn't, he didn't do any kind of combat. He got into it at 21 years old and, uh, and just had a goal of, you know, from watching the ultimate fighter had a goal of getting, um, and making a name for himself and someday fighting in the UFC. And, and he has been able to reach that goal. And we welcome back Jim Sahara Mooney. Nice to have I you back. What happened. Yeah. And oh. you're frozen, but that's probably better. So we don't have to see you move. Um, we're talking about Mark Cherico and just, um, you know, the fact that he was able to accomplish this, you know, 10 year goal of making it to the UFC and he enjoyed the experience, although, you know, it was a loss. And I'm, I'm just happy that he got to experience that. And who knows what's next for him? He could go on and continue to fight on the on the local scene and make a decent money and and do that. Or he he might just go into his career, which he has a, a good job at people's gas and so who knows that I don't know that he's even made that decision at this point, but I just say kudos for reaching for your goal and accomplishing it from having no combat sports or wrestling background as a teenager or anything going at 21 years old and just wanting to hit mitts and, and making it into fighting a UFC fight. Yeah, I'm happy for him. Um, you know, this is, this is a guy that uh, made this one of his, goals and he certainly achieved that who knows where the story is going to end for him and uh mma actually you know stepping inside the cage but you know whatever he does um you know i'm sure that he's uh, making the right decisions for himself his career and for his family but you know we'll support him and uh, and keep watching him you know keep in touch and you know i just Looking forward to seeing whatever is next for him. Um, that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, the encouragement I kind of texted him was, you know, this is not who you are. It's just what you do. And then I said, enjoy your family because that's what it all comes down to. And you can't put, you cannot put your self-worth and your self-value and all of those things in an athletic competition of any kind. And that's what too many guys do. He put it best after the fight when he said, I still got a smoking hot wife and a beautiful daughter. And it's the best things to look at in life. And they mean way more than anything else. Amen to that. That, that is certainly, uh, certainly true. Um, so we, we, uh, like I said earlier, we are going to have Mark on the show. Um, in the next couple of weeks, either next week or the following week. And so we'll be able to hear, you know, cool stories. We'll be able to hear his, about his experiences and his, 
you know, who who he got to meet. I know that a lot of his the guys that were cornering him, I saw pictures with, with them with Snoop, and we'll just hear about his experiences and, and hear, you know, how he's going to approach what's next for Mark Cherico. I can't wait for that. I just want to... I just want him to laugh at my Walls of Cherico idea. Just give me one little chuckle, Mark, and just validate my humor, and I feel great. Can't wait to have him on. It's all about validating your humor. I'm looking out for my self-interest here, okay? Like, I know he just had a fight, and it's all that, but come on, me. So that was a a big um, fight that we were looking forward to, and it, it came and passed, and... Hey, there's so much going on right now. So many things we want to talk about. We're going to talk um, extensively about, obviously, Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. But before we do that, there are some other big things happening in MMA. None bigger than the announcement of John Jones testing positive for steroids. Anyone see this coming? See it coming? I can't say that I would ever uh, make that call, but um, I'll say this. If, you know, the B sample comes back uh, the same, um, I'd be a little surprised, you know, because you would think that the persona that he was trying to put forth with his redemption, um, being an engaging person and trying to reach out to somebody who's down like DC. Um, you'd like to think, I want to think that that's him. And that's, you know, the guy that is really John Jones, not the one that steps into the octagon. Um, the guy that we've seen for the past four or five years, who's turned into the bad guy. I'd, I'd be surprised if it does come back as the same. However, what do you mean the same? Well, his uh, his B sample come you back know, as the same part. as the A sample. Yeah, you'd be surprised if they're the same. Yeah, well, in the sense that you would think that he would get his act cleaned up, and that maybe there's you know a mix up, not a mix up, but. You know, something in the testing that went wrong, and, and now they've got the A-B comparison to, I guess, vindicate him, but I just I don't see that happening. It's not like USADA just started doing this a few yeah. months ago. They're pretty know? meticulous with their testing. Right. Um, <laughs> I think as we were waiting for the Cherico fight on Tuesday night, and then that news came out. I think Andrew was the one that saw it first and texted us. And I was so focused on Cherico at that time that I was just like, I have to put this on the back burner. Cause I, I mean, it was literally, I think as you know, right around eight o'clock or so when the, when the fights were just coming on. And so, you know, just kind of digesting John Jones and you know I've long I've long called out John Jones for being like 
the worst decision maker in the history of MMA, as well as he happens to be, I've also called him the greatest talent that MMA has ever seen. And it's really a tragic story. It's a meteor meteoric rise and a meteor meteoric crash as well. I just this does there's so so many ramifications stemming from this test if that B sample comes back positive. Firstly, John Jones' legacy is done. It is zilch. I mean, I mean I don't know what year USADA partnered with the UFC, but it always makes you think if this person can fail these two tests, what about what happened before he was being tested regularly? And and secondly, Daniel Cormier, someone just reach out and give this guy a hug. Like you're just <laughs> now you're you're just now coming to terms with this devastating loss, and now potentially it was to someone that was cheating. Yeah, that's got to be just a complete emotional roller coaster for him and you know i i don't know i i don't even know what to say anymore about john jones i mean it like this stuff isn't happening to other people like you know conor mcgregor just got tested 13 times in the past two months um it's not happening to other people. Why is everything always happening to John Jones? It's well, not just, because you're clean. It's not because you're not doing stuff. I'm t where there's smoke, there's fire. I'm sorry. It doesn't keep happening to the good guys. Just like you talk about like, you know, Oh, there's this guy got arrested seven times. Oh, well, the, like he's being targeted and stuff. No, like, there's a pattern here. Like good people don't get arrested seven times. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's so true. It's, it's true. You just, you don't just walk out of the street and get arrested. It just doesn't happen. Correct. That way. You got to do stuff. And maybe you, maybe you get arrested for, for something that you shouldn't have been arrested for, but you were still doing stuff that you shouldn't have been doing most yeah, of the time. Yeah, it implies you were doing something or about to do something wrong. Do you know and, what you remind me of right now? How yeah. you're like behind you remind me of do you ever see uh Tim Taylor? Tim the Toolman Taylor? Yeah. The guy that over the fence where he like uh, yeah. over? like he can't peek Jim, and you're totally frozen. I don't know. Right. I, we're probably just gonna stick with the uh audio podcast on this one, guys. <laughs> Andrew, is it frozen for you? Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Huh, let me try something. Well, with with Jones, like you said, he you can't just sit out there and say, "Oh, why me? Why me?" Demetrius Johnson does it best. He he completely eliminates the possibility <coughs> of tainted supplements by not taking them. He just doesn't take supplements. He eats healthy, and that's what he does. I mean. Benefit, you're a 125er, but still, you're doing it smart. You're not, you're eliminating any potential of risk, and I think more fighters need to do that. Well, and there's and there's supplements that are um, widely uh, respected in the bodybuilding and the the MMA and sports, all sports that are have never been. Uh, 
tested positive for any tainted thing. And I know it's an unregulated industry and we've had that conversation before, but well, if you're John Jones, isn't it time to choose to only take supplements that are very clearly, you know, <laughs> they've, that have not had any problems with those companies and those, and those supplements. Um, that it, it is a regulated industry. That's um, a misnomer or a uh, misconception out there that these supplements aren't regulated by the FDA. They're not under the same, they don't um, follow the same regulations as, say, like drugs. Um, but the dietary supplements do. Uh, have to follow regulations by the FDA. You know, they got to list the ingredients on the, on the product. Um, and you know, I, I don't know everything about, um, how that works. I just, it's for me, the tainted supplement is, is an argument that I almost never buy. Um, and Ryan, like you said before, you and I have, uh, discuss this on the podcast and you know we don't see eye to eye on this i just i still go with if you consider yourself to be a world-class athlete and you want to compete um in the best league and you want to be in the top tier and be recognized that way that team you put together you've got to trust them and know that what they are feeding you or giving you, whether it's instruction or coaching and, you know, guiding you along in your diet and your intake, you still have responsibility for what's going in your body. And it's, it's, it's just a, an argument hard for me to understand or even believe when somebody says, it, you know, that supplement's got to be tainted. Sahara, I'll agree with you that it's hard to believe at that point when it's just a claim. Oh, it's a tainted supplement. I agree with you that that's hard to believe. But when it's not hard to believe is when USADA goes and tests the supplement. They buy ones independently. And they when they say, yes, that was a tainted supplement, um, that is when okay that's that's different when there's no intent then it's a it's a different story all right we're talking john jones so he doesn't have a very good track record recently and he doesn't have much credibility yeah and so automatically even anytime any fighter has a positive test when they're saying oh it's a tainted supplement. Any fighter, I'm saying, mm, yeah. Well, if you if Usada comes back and they say it's a tainted supplement, then I'll believe it. So I don't believe it right now at all. And with it being John Jones, I believe it even less. And the fact that it came back for an anabolic steroid too. Well, the timing's kind of weird. I mean, he didn't. He took tests like a month earlier and he, and there were, there was, he passed it. It was clean. And then he, 
he tests right when the weigh-ins went. So he took randoms a month earlier, passed those, passed all of his previous randoms. Then the test after the weigh-ins, he knows he's taking that test. So that's kind of the weird thing is like, that's the test he should be able to pass. So that's kind of what they're going on saying, hey guys, this doesn't make sense for this to be the one he fails. I still just think he just screwed up and did it wrong and he's on cycles and he messed it up. Yeah, I I don't know exactly the potency of the test of when it's going to come positive when you're on a cycle or if he thought he'd cycled it out of his system already. So that's still up in the air for me because I know with HGH, you only get caught with it when you're coming off of it. So when you're coming down from it is when you really get caught for HGH. So I'm really interested to see the B sample before I go judge, jury, and executioner on him. But if that B sample comes back uh, comes back positive for Teritabol or whatever it was, um, then that's that's the end of any John Jones comeback, credibility, redemption story, anything. Uh, have you ever heard of the B sample coming back different? No. Uh, so I think there's a greater likelihood that it's found to be a, you know, tainted supplement because that's actually happened before. It's actually yeah. been proven that that a tainted supplement has occurred. There's been many claims, but a couple times it's actually it's actually proven anyone that does it now that fails a test that's their oh tainted supplement that's their excuse but there's been only a handful of times but it's something that's actually happened i've never heard of a b sample coming back different than the a my one of my favorite john jones steroid stories came from joe rogan's podcast talking about the time you saw came to test at jackson wink and john jones hid underneath the octagon in their training facility and then they told him he wasn't there, and he thought they assumed they would just leave. But Usada said, "Oh no, we'll just wait." So Jones supposedly, I mean hearsay and all that, stayed underneath the octagon for five or so hours until Usada left at five o'clock, and then came out and went home. And then came out what? And then came out from underneath the octagon and went home. <laughs> I think just hid. that's ridiculous. I think I just accidentally um, booted Sahara off because he was splitting the screen like 18 times. So hopefully he'll he'll join back in. Did, did it <laughs> also out, did it also split on your screen with weird? Yeah. 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 It kept splitting. I just ignored it. I just tried to. uh to boot the one off that was like on the bottom, the frozen one, and it booted both of them off. So yeah. Mooney will be back. Yeah. He's been frozen the whole time. He has like the worst internet connection ever. And yeah. And feedback. And yeah, it's just a mess. <laughs> um, all right. So moving on, talking about, UFC 217. This is a card, dude. Madison Square Garden. This is this is awesome. This 
in my opinion, this is shaping up to be the best card of the year. This is the card we deserve as fans. Let me ask you this. Do you are you nervous at all that the UFC has not officially made GSP Michael Bisping the headline? I'm a little nervous with Michael Bisping, I and GSP for that matter. You never know when and if they're going to fight. So I'm still a little hesitant, but all indicators are we're all we're all in just the signature. It just seems like it's a formality, but with these two, we don't know. So I'm praying, I'm praying we don't lose a headliner, but we'll see. Yeah, that makes me slightly nervous. Um, it'll definitely be a card that uh, Octagon twenty four seven will be at. Mark my words. We will be there, just like we'll be at the Pittsburgh card, just like we're going to be at Bellator 185, maybe Bellator 186. We will be there live and covering those events. Anytime there's um, a card that's close to you know, Pittsburgh or a huge card, um, we, will, we'll, we will give you live coverage. And we will also um, try to bring you coverage from some some of the regional stuff um, that happens in the Pittsburgh area, or in Ohio, or the you know the tri-state area, the West Virginia. We even have Andrew, who's down in Charleston. If um, they decide to allow um, people to legally punch each other in the face and not have like chewing tobacco all over the place. And well, that's called a family reunion. Precisely. Even, even if it's not legal, I'll still cover it for us. That's how dedicated I am to our fight coverage. I would come down there if there was a good, if there was a, a fight card down there that had some pro fights on it too. I, I would definitely make the, make the journey down there to visit your brother. We'll set something up. Your your promoter Ryan. Now we're gonna set it up down here. Let's do it. Okay. So also back to the two seventeen card. Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw. That's a heck of a co-main event, huh? That fight is outstanding. It was my most anticipated fight of the year when it was going to be on the was it supposed to be two thirteen I think, and then it got bumped because of. Uh, Garbrandt's back issues, but I can't wait. I mean, two guys, some personal animosity, the whole TJ leaving Team Alpha Male. Just, I love it. It's great. Jim, what do you think? We're talking about 217, right? Yes. Why can't I pull it up? It's, uh, we're talking about Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw. Um, I'm anxious to see it just because of the feud that's going on between them two. I mean, this is a, a fight that's been in the making for well over a year now. Um, and I think, you know, some things that happened inside of, uh, you know, Team Alpha Male um, have been going on for a while. So publicly, we only know about the feud um, for as long as it's been out there, you know, a little over a year. And I, I think it was something that was building up for probably um, at least – the same amount inside the camp. Yeah. Um, I think that that fight, and I, I kind of want to get your take, Andrew. We, you know, this is something that 
we, Jim and I have talked at length and we know each other's, uh, position. We know we're, we're both Cody Garbrandt fans. Um, and so we're going to be pulling for him, uh, to win. Where do you stand on your fandom of Cody versus TJ? You know, like, where are you at? I like, I think just preferentially, preferentially, I prefer Cody Garbrandt just as a, as a person and everything he does, he seems real down to earth and nice and things he's done for Cherico. I really respect. And TJ just comes off as kind of whiny and uh, his side of the story always seems a little shaky, but fighting styles. I am on the other side of the fence. I am all for TJ's versatility with the wrestling Dwayne bang. I'm all for it, man. I think it's going to be a heck of a fight. And, um, I think the snake is going to prevail. If, if the, uh, Dillashaw that dismantled, um, in, in his first title fight, uh, who was it? Um, his name is escaping. Hennen Burrell. Yeah. Henny, Hennen Burrell. Um, if he looks that good against Garbrandt, that's going to be a barn burner. Um, yeah, I, I'd love to see those two going at it at the top of their game like we saw when Cody won the belt and when TJ won the belt. And if we can get that action, that's going to be a heck of a fight. See, I I, I think that Cody is on a whole nother level. I, I really do. I think that the way he dismantled I mean, completely dismantled a guy that no one else has been able to touch. That is, you know, he's undefeated. He's knocking everyone out. He, that was his thing. He, he, he could knock anyone out. Right. So when he gets a decisive dominant decision, victory against Dominic Cruz, that goes to show that he's not only a bruiser, he's not only a brute, he's not only a, a an elite striker, but he's also an intelligent fighter. And he can fight that kind of fight and win that way. Like, nobody thought if they went to decision that Cody Garbrandt was going to come out victorious. And how wrong were we that he would outstrike him it, it, he was out everything him. He out everything him. Exactly. And that's something that is was shocking to me. Completely shocking that he was able to dominate him. I don't see this as that close of a fight. I think that it may take Garbrandt a couple rounds to, you know, or, or no, maybe a, a couple minutes to figure him out. And then I think he, he runs with it from there and he ends it in like the second round. Bold. Man, after what TJ did to John Lineker and just put him on his back and just mixed up the striking with the takedowns, that's what really got me thinking, man, the way he's mixing it up, it just makes him even more unpredictable. And Yeah, but that was John Lineker's first huge fight, whereas – I mean, we're talking about Dominic Cruz here. I mean, that's the difference. There's a huge difference there. You've TJ Dillashaw has never 
beat a guy like Cruz, let alone completely dominated him. I mean, he beat Hinton Burrell, and everybody thought Burrell was like but, the, the but, mean, a world beater. But the, the the difference is we know better now. Yeah, I just I don't know. I want to I want to see Garbrandt work off of his back, and then I will be more on board. I've seen TJ do both. I've seen him take a defeat and come back. So I'm really interested to see how he comes in this fight. So I see it, TJ as more of a wrestler. Um, using his wrestling in this to try and get Cody on his back. I just, I'm with you, Ryan, on this. I, I think that, uh, that what we saw um, against Dominic Cruz, that, that Cody Garbrandt, we got to see how smart of a fighter he is. You know, we all thought he's, he's self-destructing. Listen to the way he's talking. He's losing focus. You know, Dom is going to make him look silly. We thought he was going to fight an emotional fight, and he didn't. Yeah. He fought a smart fight. Extremely. And 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 you and I said it. I I compare. So if you listen back to our podcast when we're previewing UFC 205, I called precisely what would happen in the McGregor-Alvarez fight. I said, Alvarez... He's so off his game. He's going to go in there and he's going to play Conor McGregor's game and he's going to try to stand with him and he's going to get knocked out. And I called it in the second round and that's exactly what happened. Maybe I called it in the third. I don't really remember. But I called the fight. I called exactly how it was going to happen and why it was going to happen and it came true. When this whole thing happened with Cody and, and Dominic Cruz, I'm watching it and I'm seeing... Cody look like he's unraveling. He's getting flustered. And and I talked to a buddy of mine that trained when at Pittsburgh Fight Club when Cody was there. And he said, no, dude, that's just Cody. That, that He's like that with everything. Like, if there's a conflict, he's like that. He's like, you don't have to worry about that. And I'm like, yeah, right. He's unraveling. It was uh, um, um, Mike, you know, Mike Bully. Mike Bully, yeah. And uh, and so when that fight came and I saw him do that, it it blew my mind because I thought he was he was an emo- he was in a mo- a bad emotional place and that was going to be a factor and the main factor in the fight and I was completely wrong. So as I brag about being right about 205, <laughs> I'm also taking the hit and saying I was wrong with Cody. And that made me a true Cody believer. I believe that he's uh, elite. I believe that he is John Jones of his weight class. I believe he's head oh, he's man. head and shoulders above the rest. The way he completely dominated Dominic Cruz in every facet of that fight. And he's undefeated. I mean, it's not like he's, we're talking about a guy that, you know, struggled elsewhere. He's beaten everyone. I can't go as high as that. Just seeing who the best two people he's fought, Almeida and Dominic Cruz. I can't, I can't, I can't dish on the praise too much after that. I mean, it's a sample, but calling him the next John Jones, that's way too high for me. Like I said, I just, I think the way TJ mixes it up and diverses his strikes and, I don't know. I think it's going to cause Cody some problems. 
I really, I really, really do. And yeah, that, I think. Well, speaking about Almeida, I think um, somebody figured him out. I think we we saw two people figure him out, uh, but I don't know if anybody's got the number on Cody yet to know how to handle him. I think he's got when when we were in Cleveland and he was uh, doing the uh, the Q and A fan session. There was a question, I forget exactly how it was phrased, but something about um, if he's taken down. And Cody responded with, don't worry about that. He's got the ground game. He has a wrestling background, and he's perfectly fine if he's got to go to his back. And, you know, we really haven't seen that yet, but I got to believe this guy, what he's saying He's backing it up if he's put to the test and put in that position. Yeah, I, I mean, he's just been super impressive. You don't beat guy. No one has beat Dominic Cruz like that. It's just unheard of. I mean, Dominic Cruz lost to Uriah Faber back in 2007. He hadn't lost since then. He had dominated everyone and made everyone, you know, look mediocre. How did, you, how did you score the dominant Cruz TJ Dillashaw fight? Well, I mean, that was the only one that was like semi close, but, um, but honestly, I I see I I scored it for for Cruz, but it was close. Um, I see TJ Dillashaw as a poor man's Cruz. I mean, a little heavier on the wrestling, but he doesn't really use the wrestling as much as he could. I think that he he falls into the trap of most wrestlers that are in MMA for a, a while. They don't want to use it. They just want to throw. Well, I think what he did with Lineker is showing that he's going back to that. Well, I think that was one fight, and I don't think he, I don't think that. Um, I think it was a surprise to Lineker, and I think Lineker has um, not been at the at the top for he's not been at the top for a lot. I mean, he worked his way up there, but and he's back up there again. But he's not stood on the on that peak for very long. He beat you know Barrow, uh, uh, Henan Barrow, however you say his name, Barrow, Barrow. Um, he beat him. Prior to that, but who would he beat other than Burrell? He got the John Dodson decision. No. Yeah. He beat John Dodson. He did, yeah. Now, I I disagreed no. with that, but yeah, he got it. Yeah, he beat John Dodson. Uh-huh. Oh. No, he didn't. Yeah. Decision. You're talking Indeed. about okay, yeah. Well, alt. I don't know. <laughs> I think you, that you might have been uh, on a mission trip for that. Yeah, that fight was super controversial. I, I had Dodson winning it. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I don't know. Um. Anyway, I I just see T.J. Dillashaw as not. I, I don't know. He just. But see, 
this disagreement is what makes the fight good. Like this makes it compelling. Like there's a, there's there's it's good to have two sides to it. Correct. If there's the there's the wrong side, and then there's my side, which is really really wrong. <laughs> really, really really wrong. Really really. Uh, All right. So the next fight on that card is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus my boy. Masvidal. And guys, the card even continues to get better. Curtis Blades is on the card. Razor Blades. We got Corey Anderson and Patrick Cummins on the card. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to make this my official prediction of the night. We are all going to be wowed by Paulo Bohashia. When he Say that again. Paulo Bohashia. Bohashia. You okay? Uh, he's fighting he's fighting Johnny Hendricks and uh this is a uh uh an undefeated ridiculous fighter and he's going to knock John, uh, Johnny Hendricks out. I could see that happening because I don't know what happened to Johnny Hendricks. Yeah, I mean it, he was in that that war with George St. Pierre and he has not looked the same consistently since. There's been a couple flashes of him looking Pretty good, but he has not looked good in two consecutive fights. And I thought he was back when he made his 185 debut. I forget who it was against, and he looked really Neil- good. When did he beat Neil Magny? That was uh, that was when he moved up. Was it? Yeah, and that's where he looked like he was back. He took him to the ground, um, used his wrestling a lot. Yeah. I mean, no, he lost. He lost to Neil Magny. Oh, that's, that's right. That's right. He but beat, yeah, he had a, he had a lot of he made his, control in that. He made his middleweight debut against Hector Lombard. Okay, that's what it was. And won that, and then lost the the Bosch fight and missed weight. Yeah, shocking. How far he's fallen. Miss weight at, at 185 when he's a one former 170 guy. It's just, I mean, take a look at his record. One, two, three, four, five, six, and three. Three and six in it since including the St. Pierre fight. Three and six in the UFC. I mean, this is just, it's unbelievable. He was 15 and one. Yeah, and think about his performance in that uh, GSP fight. A lot of people thought that he won that fight. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I thought he won that fight. I thought he got robbed. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, maybe not obviously, but it seems like that was his peak right there. Well, in the Robbie Lawler fight right after that, there was a war. Right. And then they rematched, and that was a war. Great fight. So he won the first one and lost the second one. And and I don't, I mean, I think those two wars combined with that GSP fight, I think that was the end of him. I mean, he beat Matt Brown. I don't remember him looking like the stud he used to be. World beater. 
Yeah, but then, I mean, against Stephen Thompson, against Kelvin Gastelum, against Neil Magny, and against Tim Bosch, I mean, it just was not good. And he missed weight in three of those fights. Well, I don't think he's in the Travis Brown category yet where he should he should have stopped fighting three fights ago. I think he's in the Kelvin Gastelum. I mean, he's in the Kelvin Gastelum range where he you can't trust him to even make weight ever. Yeah. Yeah, at least Kelvin's 24. Yeah, at least he has the you know the <laughs> If he does it right, the I think he's maybe twenty five. Yeah, young. He's on the up, still on the upswing of his career. Hopefully. Yeah, Hendrix. As Jim said, he's not in the Travis Brown spot yet. He's not in the Andre Arlovsky spot where he should have retired more than three fights ago. But he's quickly approaching, and a loss here to a young up and comer who you're very high on, Ryan. That could. That could put him one fight away from the end. Paulo Bohashia is going to be a, a fight that Hendricks doesn't want to be in and, and is going to realize he shouldn't have taken, and it will make it. If he loses that fight, that'll be five of six losses in a row. He's done. Yeah, there. Uh, what I'm excited about is once we get closer to this, we've got several podcasts between now and then to hear you mention some of these fighters names because you are dead on when it comes to pronouncing their names correctly you have not made a mistake yet jim i'm just surprised you're able to make a phone call so (laughs) well that's just that's just you know that's what happens use uh apple products uh, oh, while yeah. you guys compare brands, let's go back up to uh, your boy, Masvidal and Wonderboy, because that fight is incredible. And it's like, I'm really interested to watch Masvidal's jab against Wonderboy's lead front kick. Yeah, it's an odd matchup. See, I think uh, Wonderboy, I think this is a matchup that favors him much more than like a Woodley matchup. I agree, 110%. It's... uh. I love Masvidal in almost every matchup except this one, just because he's really good at controlling range with that jab and outstriking people. But Wonder Boy is going to be the one controlling the range. There's no, there's no question about that. Correct. I mean, he's going to control range with his with his feet, you know. Yes. And and, um, and I think I, you know, I think part of the problem with Thompson is when he reached that peak with Woodley, it kind of like. He didn't have the confidence that he could win that fight yes. either either time. And so I think he that played a part in 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 his lack of like going for it. Um I don't think he'll have that in this fight unless he gets like rocked early or something. Mm-hmm. I think he'll go in confident and and use dynamic striking and 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 be the dynamic fighter that we have seen prior to the rivalry with uh with uh, Woodley. I mean, I agree um, with most of what you said, especially the point about um, him looking tentative and um, lacking some confidence. And that's what I'm uh, 
fearing may happen in this fight. I just think, you know, uh, Masvidal and Woodley are two completely different styles. Woodley is more of a counter puncher and reacts to his opponent. Masvidal is going to come at him. And I think he's going to put pressure on um, on Wonder Boy. How he reacts um, is going to be interesting to see. I, I I think it may end up working to his favor because if he doesn't have the time to move forward like he had to do against Woodley, because that was a chess match, and at times we didn't get a lot of action. They were trying to feel each other out. I don't think Masvidal is going to let that happen. And, you know, it may play into Wonder Boy's um, plan for that fight. Yeah, but uh, we'll see once we get closer. You know who I'd like to see fight? I'd like to see Wonder Boy versus Nick Diaz. And I know that this wouldn't be a fight that Nick Diaz would take because it just wouldn't make sense. Uh, You know, Wonder Boy's not a big enough name and... For various reasons, it wouldn't make sense. But I think that matchup would be awesome. Masvidal called out Nick Diaz. Oh, did he? Yeah, Masvidal called him out. You're not a big enough name for him to fight. Like, uh, he's just not going to happen. Exactly. But can you just imagine that? Those two talking trash and just come out there, throw kicks, takedowns, all that out the window. It's just going to be a boxing brawl. That's all it's going to be. And it would be fantastic. Yeah. Well, who's not a big enough name? Masvidal. Masvidal. Oh. Um, yeah, Masvidal. Ma- neither Masvidal or Thompson are big enough names for him to fight. I mean, he's going to fight your GSPs. He's going to fight your Conor McGregor's. He's going to fight your, you know, he's going to fight bigger names. Your Anderson Silva's, your, the guys that are going to bring you the paycheck. That's the only thing that's going to get him out. He, at this point, he doesn't really care about titles either. I think Diaz would destroy Anderson Silva at this juncture. Well, he didn't when they fought. And, I mean, it was only, it was his most recent, wasn't that the last time Nick fought? Yeah, that was, was that January of, what, 20, was it 2014 or 2015? It had to be 15. I don't think it's been yeah. January long. 2015, I think. Yeah. So that's the 217 card looking great. I'm excited for that card and hopefully, um, you know, Octagon 24-7 will be in the building. And what else are we talking about? I think there's a... What's going on Saturday? I think there's some kind of like, I don't know, they're talking about fisticuffs or something. Yeah. <laughs> Not aware of anything. So, Jim Sahara Mooney, what, what is the nickname that you gave to him, Andrew? Lights Out. Lights Out Mooney. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Lights Out Mooney has has pre- made the prediction a long time ago. He took Conor McGregor uh, to beat Floyd Mayweather. So are you going to, in your official prediction tonight, is that still going to be your, your call? It is. Okay. Um, are you predicting it, a round two? See, uh, this one is hard to predict a round. Um, no, it, I, it's hard to be well, right no, in is, the round you is. predict. 
It's sure, really can, easy. Yeah, to I can just easily say, you know, it's going to be this round, but I'm just, you know, going with the intelligence of each fighter and how they're going to play off each other and react to each other. And, you know, the, the more I think about it, the, I think if it's going to happen with a uh, knockout or a TKO, that it's going to happen earlier rather than later. And I think that's where Connor needs to get him so that Floyd can't, doesn't have the time to figure him out. Um, I'm still going to go with a, uh, a TKO uh, or knockout. And I'm going to say fourth round. Wow. Um, let's do, let's just do all three of our predictions now, if you're ready. And then we'll talk more. Andrew, by the way, he's going to be wrong with his, but I'm just letting you know in advance. Andrew, unless he picks TKO fourth, that would, that would make him right. Right. Well, no, no need to worry about that. Not picking the fourth round. I am picking Conor McGregor via TKO third round. What? Whoa! I have completely changed. I've completely flipped. I've been Mayweather by decision since 2015 when rumors began. But this, I am... I don't know what changed. I've been digging deep. I've been reading a lot on both, and I believe. I believe the hype. I'm all in. Maybe it's the MMA fan in me, but I'm all in. Okay, I would love, 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 love for you guys to be right. I would love for you guys to be right. I would love to be wrong on this, and I hope I am. But I'm taking Mayweather ninth round TKO. Oh. All right, so why are you going with with that ninth round? I'm assuming this is like an accumulation thing of... Uh... Yeah, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I think that Mayweather does that isn't really done well or a lot in MMA is body shots. I think uh, he's going to have, he's going to be going to McGregor's body a lot. And I don't think McGregor's used to that. And he's going to go hard at his body. Um, and I think I could see, um, that taking its toll on him and to the point where he just isn't able to continue. I don't think, I don't think he's necessarily gonna like, like concuss him, destroy you know, like that kind of thing. But I think it'll just be to the point where he, you know, it's over. So here's one thing that um, that I see has I don't want to say maybe not, changed. but I want to be so wrong. I want you guys to be yeah. right. I promise. So one of the things that we've talked about is. The uh, other MMA fighters, specifically uh, UFC fighters, and how at first it seemed like they were totally against this, and and maybe it was from a jealousy standpoint. And I don't know if a shift has changed, you know what what has caused it. I should say, but it seems like 
more and more fighters are starting to get behind who they see as maybe their guy. And this is somebody that is representing mixed martial arts. And we talked about how, why wouldn't they want him to succeed and get behind him and back him? You know, well, to- I think because of what he said at UFC 205 after after the uh, after he won two belts, I think that might have something to do with it. Apologize to absolutely nobody. I mean, I've mocked, I've ridiculed everybody, and I I just got to say from the bottom of my heart, I apologize to absolutely nobody. Might be the best Connor soundbite, and that's saying something. Yeah, that was awesome. We were there live. <laughs> you weren't. But- yeah, we were. Yeah, we were waiting for that um, because Dana said that this is Connor's thing. He wants to make a big you know, make an announcement. Yeah. You know, we were all trying to figure out, speculate what that could be. It was hilarious. I think that was the the promotion was going to be the big announcement, or I don't know, but he ended up not making it yeah yeah well one of the biggest things that led me to flip in this fight was um floyd mayweather's former cut man um in the 90s when he was starting out through the early 2000s who'd worked with he and uh, real close with the family had talked about how the mayweather men have all struggled with breaking their hands and it came from a calcium deficiency when they were younger since floyd mayweather was an amateur he has struggled with hand breaks in sparring and in every single fight, and I think with the eight ounce gloves, I think that's that could lend a little bit. But to he's those always bro- fought in eight ounce gloves. He's been up before, because you're supposed you're supposed to wear yeah you wear the eights when you're forty five when you're when he wears when he fights a bigger guy he wears the ten. Forty six of his forty nine fights have been with eight ounce gloves. Exactly, and his hands have been breaking, and and he's undefeated. He is undefeated. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that. But especially against his fight against uh, Castillo, when in two in April twentieth, he, he, he was fighting a boxer. Two thousand and two. He was he was fighting a boxer, but he gassed out and broke his hands. You don't have punching power. I mean, if if you he don't won. have punch, if you don't have, I mean, he won like like GSP beat Johnny Hendricks. That's how he won. And uh, if you give Connor an opportunity, I think. If you can't hurt him, he's not going to have any fear. He's going to come in with no reservations, and it's going to get interesting. I'm not saying that's going to be the deciding factor of a win, but it's going to make this fight really close if he breaks a hand. What happened when James Tony came to MMA? Different. So different. I mean, it's different, but it's... What? Let me ask you this. If Conor McGregor went to Olympic trials and went to to wrestle in the Olympics for the USA, how would he fare? We don't know. He has the boxing background. We yeah, he, but he has the boxing background from amateur Irish fighting, and the only boxing Come we on. have of him – well, I'm serious. It, it's at least some kind of background. It's not like CM Punk with nothing. But we're and, talking about the – we're talking about – you're talking about amateur boxing background at the at the lowest level, and you're talking about the greatest boxer maybe in in our era anyway, and and could be in history. It's a high era, but you're also talking about a forty year old boxer with a history of breaking his hand. 
fighting an un, fighting an unorthodox person. He, who? He's when's undefeated. the last time? When's the last time he fought somebody that stands in a karate stance but switches like he's a like taekwondo fighter? He's never fought somebody like that. How do you? Yeah, you know that's that. That's a good point, Andrew. Um, but I but you guys are. A, but uh, sorry, just before, just to counter that one point, he's also never. I mean, Connor's never boxed. Period. That's what I'm saying, though. You're saying he's never, like, fought a guy that does this, but he's boxed. It, but he's also he's never boxed with without worrying about being taken down or eating an elbow or eating a knee. He is struck with that in his mind, but now he can just focus on one discipline. I mean, we we don't know what he is capable of when he's just focusing on that. Yeah. So to your point, uh, Andrew, um, that stance I think is going to cause some problems because um, it's a wide stance and it will affect Mayweather trying to find his range when you know Connor is in that stance, which is not something that. He's just developed. That's always been his uh, his style, um, and I think it's going to be a factor. Now, on the flip side, though, you know maybe that's something that Mayweather is going to use to his advantage and find that he could almost keep him flat-footed and skirt around that wide stance to you know to to get some shots in. But I, I do think. That will, at least in the beginning, that'll cause some problems for Mayweather. Also, the first time Mayweather's had not had the reach advantage in eight fights, I believe. Yeah, Connor's got some long arms. Um, you know his uh, his frame up top is a wide one, and his his arms. You know he that's something that he does. We talk about how some fighters and the way they're built. Um, size, height, and, you know, them, you know, either using it to their advantage and it's a success or not, not and it shows um, with, uh, with losses. I think that's something that Connor definitely uses to his advantage is that reach. A Connor McGregor quote from 2015, boxing is not the style that can beat Floyd. This is not going to be a boxing match. It's going to be a brawl. He's going to tie him up and dirty box him and punch him and headbutt him just like that gym teacher did to beat Manny Pacquiao. Huh. Yeah. I agree that he's going to make it a brawl uh, or try to make it a brawl. Um, I don't know how the stamina thing has proven to be for Conor McGregor, but I don't think it's worked out too well for him um, in the past. When he's gone in, you know, into the trenches, it hasn't been, he hasn't looked his best. In all fairness, the the five-round wars are at 170. Well, I mean, he's going to weigh 170, but come fight time. No, I think think they said uh, they're going to try and keep him at like 160, maybe one. You know, right around that, maybe a little well, more. That's not what he said. I I don't know if 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 that's true or not. But he literally said, "I'm going to outweigh." He said Floyd's at his peak. At his peak is going to weigh around 150. He'll probably weigh way way under the the weight limit if he's in his best 
possible shape. He said, me, I'm going to weigh 170 by come fight time. Hey, so, it's just an exaggeration. Well, I, th I think he'll so weigh calling right him a liar. I'm calling him an exaggerator. I think he'll weigh right around 160, 160, no, no more than 163. Well, we don't really know because, I mean, they don't really publish that. But, um, you know, he weighed one set, 168, 169 for the Diaz fight. So um, I could see him walking around at 185. And so to, to, to weigh down to 155 and put on 15 pounds is nothing. Well, I, I've always heard from my Connor obsession that he walks around about one seventy two. Okay. And um, but how do you think this is? I, I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say about this. Um, how do you think cardio conditioning compares from twelve rounds of boxing, three minute rounds, to five rounds of an MMA fight? I think it's really different. I mean, if you end up not grappling very much then it's not that huge of a difference but the grappling is absolutely brutally exhausting um particularly takedown takedown defense being up against the cage these are the the moments that your casual fan will look and it's boring and the, those are the most exhausting moments um of the fight where you know, that stuff's really making a difference. Yeah, Cause in MMA, you get four minutes of total rest of 25. So just less than a fifth. And in boxing, you got the 12, you got what 11 minutes in between altogether. So just under a third. So I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, um, the style, uh, has a lot to do with somebody's endurance level and I think Connor's style is impetuous. Is, is I'm sorry. His style is impetuous. Well, that's true. His defense is um, impregnable. impregnable. He's just ferocious. <laughs> 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 but when it comes to cardio, I think Connor has. Um, he touts that he is. Um high level cardio and that he can you know go the distance if needed in a five round fight which he did we saw that once but he's i don't think he's he's built for the takedown spending time on his back or on top wait you um, say you grappling. don't think he's built for that no i don't um i i think he trains for stand-up um if that's the case, if you know, if I'm right in that assumption, I, I think his cardio should not be an issue in this fight. Um, well, but I, I think if 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 Floyd trained well, which is in question, I don't know, but if Floyd trained well, trained well, conditioning should only be a factor for Connor if it's a factor. Because well, I mean he's a he's done it so many times. He doesn't ever knock anyone out, so they're all decisions recently. And you know he should be able to get back there after only two years off. Yeah, I don't know what uh, Mayweather has been doing if he's 
you know, been uh, having fight camps, not necessarily full-blown fight camps like he's prepping for a fight. You know, what his off time has been um, before this since he retired at 49-0. I don't know how active he's been in the gym. Um, but prior to that, he conditioned his body to almost go on cruise control when it came to these fights that, you know, he was set up to go 12 rounds if needed. Whereas, you know, and so like uh, with what you were saying, Andrew, that is 36 minutes um, versus 25. Connor's only been there once, um, but I think the factor um, that will probably be in somebody's favor when it comes to cardio, I think when everything's all said and done, I think it leans towards Connor because he's used to five minute rounds, you know, so you cut that almost in half um, to go from five minutes to three minutes. I, I think that's, you know, makes it his recovery time quicker in between rounds. I think you guys have your fanboy goggles on and you like everything you see in this boxing match, you feel points to Connor and it's just, it's just not the case. I didn't get. I didn't give him the cardio advantage. I just said it's an interesting debate. I no, Connor could be in the best cardio shape he's ever going to be, and Floyd's still going to be better cardio wise. He's just I mean, an animal. If if he truly trained the way he well, he has traditionally trained, but no, there are there are people saying they don't believe he took this seriously and did not train well. I don't believe that at all. I because he started off. I think it's all promotion. He started off the, early on. You know, Connor's a great opponent. I got to take him serious. I got I got to be really focused this camp. And then he starts trash talking him. And now he's on embeddeds, eating cheeseburgers. And I'm going to live in the strip club the week of the fight because I don't care. It's all a facade. I think he's taking it serious. I think he's going to go out here and do what Floyd does. He's going to hide. In the, uh, what he wants to do is hide in the Philly shell for a couple rounds, download all of Connor's punches, angles, and then go try to knock him out. See, something that occurs in boxing – and is needed in boxing, and it doesn't really occur the same way in, in MMA, is resting. So boxers, boxers spend a lot of time, you know, like taking a minute or two off during a round and knowing how to hide that that's their, that they're resting. And... And that's something Floyd has mastered. Floyd is an expert at that, and that's something that Connor has n no idea how to do. And so, when we talk about going into, you know, I want you guys to be right. Trust me, I want to be wrong in this. Um, but we talk about a fight going into the deeper waters. Every aspect of it leans towards Mayweather. The longer this fight goes, the more it points to Mayweather. And I really believe that, you know, if he doesn't, if Connor doesn't catch him with a huge shot, now I don't think he has to knock him out with this huge shot, but if Connor doesn't catch him with a huge shot in the first five rounds, I, I think he's he's in be big trouble. Yeah, you know, just, just real quick. Um, what I'm a, I, I, this just popped into my head, but you know, because you said the huge shot, and I'm thinking, what if Connor does catch him with the huge shot and Floyd goes down? Is Connor gonna jump on him out of instinct? 
no. and start throwing down the hammer fist. <laughs> he didn't jump. He didn't jump on Polly. Yeah, the uh, I that's uh, on to on to your point though, Jim. For MMA, if Connor A knocks Floyd Mayweather down or B goes all twelve rounds, that's a win for MMA. I mean, if you come over into their world and you're fighting the, arguably the greatest defensive fighter of all time, and he's undefeated, forty nine and zero, and you survive, I mean, for someone well, making a pro debut, that's pretty successful. Do you yeah, think? Do you think the distance? In and of itself, even if he's dominated, just doesn't get knocked out. That's still a win. See, I, I would disagree. I would say it was it would be a, looked at as a valiant effort, but I don't think it would be looked at as a win if he got oh. dominated and it was you know he only round, won like one round or something like that. I would not call that a win. I still think it's a win for MMA. I still do. Just you're making your pro boxing debut, and you're right. you're, yeah. you're doing it against Floyd Mayweather. I mean, and, if you get dominated like that, just because you weren't knocked out does not mean you weren't out of your leg. I, it doesn't mean that, but it still looks good for crossing over because what boxer could last a full five-round fight in MMA? Um, none. That's my point. And um, what but you said if, about... If, if you stood up in MMA, they could. Maybe. I mean, do they know how to stop a kick? <clears throat> I don't know. I'm sure I they've see. done. I mean, see, I don't know, but uh, what you talked about with Floyd Mayweather's cardio, I high, I highlighted on the fight with Jose Luis Castillo in 2002, and it was really weird. It was weird because um, in rounds 10, 11, 12, Floyd Mayweather just gassed, and watching how he did it, like you talked about, how fighters like to take off those few minutes in rounds. He just laid on, leaned on him, and leaned on him. So Mayweather was just carrying the weight, and that just wore down on him. And then he just kept getting hit and hit in the later rounds. And at one point, this is a Floyd Mayweather fight, hand to God, they were standing two inches apart from each other and just swinging. That's all they were doing in rounds 11 and 12. Floyd feet were in cement. And that was a 20 – I mean, that's a 25-year-old Floyd Mayweather, and he corrected his mistakes and dominated the rematch. But – if there's a strategy for Connor to wear him down, that's what he's going to do is lean on him and wrestle him and just make it anything but a boxing match. So, so um, just real quick, uh, Anthony Joshua recently um, said something along the lines of him considering uh, taking on an MMA, MMA fighter inside of the cage. Um he did have a stipulation. Now, he did um, give in that he'd probably get beaten. Um, but his, his one um, request was that you couldn't do any submissions on him, like uh, which doesn't make sense. So no BJJ at all. Right, yeah. So he said kicks. You know all all that stuff. Well, you could do uh, submissions. Maybe maybe we tell them you can do submissions. You're just not allowed to submit. <laughs> he might as well do a Muay Thai fight. They just yeah, break his it, arm off exactly. and beat him go. with it. Kickboxing. Yeah. It's just it, that's really all it is is kickboxing. Well, would they be allowed to pin him like wrestling or what? I mean, how would there be any ground game that would make sense? Well, here's here's his uh, quote. I like fighting. I'd do whatever. 
I'd probably get beaten. The only thing that they can't do is submissions, but they can kick, elbow, bite, whatever they want, just no submission. So you can bite. I can't you can. Be, yeah, I can't beat a guy via submission. That takes a lot of time to learn the skills and submissions, which I don't have the time for. But when it, when it comes to pure aggression and fighting rules, I can definitely fight, so I don't mind that. And then he goes on to say... Um, it wouldn't be a problem. If you look at most boxers who've crossed over to MMA, they get beaten on the ground. James Tony, Roy Jones, they were phenomenal boxers, but they just couldn't compete in the cage. Roy Jones? What? And pound game. What, what's he talking about, Roy Jones? When did he cross over? Was he like, is that like last year at some local fight in Nebraska? I think we would know about that, though. Roy Jones. Roy Jones never fought MMA. If, well, that's that's a quote from. If I'm wrong, then we're rewinding this podcast and starting <laughs> over. Because if he did, I should know that. Hold on, let me see. Roy Jones, I'd I'd be shocked if he fought MMA and I didn't know. Him. Now he could be referring to him fighting an MMA fighter. Um, you know, I'm not sure, but. I, I do know that, uh, I mean, the guy's, he's like in his mid to late 40s. Yeah, so he is I, old. I, I don't know when this happened, but I, I do recall him something about. Okay, so here's what I've found. On December 2nd, 2016, David Feldman, Feldman Promotions confirmed a fight between Jones, an undefeated bare knuckle fighter, and former world title challenger. Bobby Gunn would be announced for February 17th um, for WBF Cruiserweight. It's it's a boxing match. Oh, well, that Bobby, don't count. Bobby Gunn, Gunn was a former IBA Cruiserweight champion and current bare-knuckle heavyweight champion, having a record of 72-0 and 0 with 72 knockouts. What? No. Uh, yeah. He won that fight. So, yeah, I I have no idea. Do you know Roy Jones has been fighting? I mean, he's only lost one in his last, like, 11 fights. Yeah, he's been fighting bums, though. He fought at, a, uh, at the casino in Wheeling here. Just fought some bum. One of his last 12 fights. And he fought in Wheeling? Yeah, he fought a bum right around Wheeling. It was in Wheeling. He was a bum though, just for a paycheck. Yeah. So he's, I don't know. It's like Roy Jones's real fights against CTE or Parkinson's at this point because he's just, I don't know. He's just doing it for the money, just the local small checks. You know, he went thirty-four and zero before his first loss. I love Roy Jones Jr. One of my all-time favorite fighters. Yeah. His highlight reel, his highlight reel is nuts, dude. He 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 was the master of the shoulder roll, man. Oh yeah, and he got he was the center of the controversy in the Olympics when he got the gold medal. They just like, robbed from him. Oh, I, when you said he got the gold medal, I'm like, wait, didn't he get it robbed? Yeah, yeah. And his uh, his loan his loss was actually a disqualification. Uh, well, that was his first loss was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then he and then he beat him badly the next 
Wait, first first round? Knockout, yep. Yeah. And then rematch against Montel Griffin. All right. Well, I, I think that about wraps it up. You guys got anything else to add before we go? Nope. Uh, yeah, Negative. you do. You do. You do. You got to tell us about what you got coming on the website. Oh, yeah, I do. All right, ladies and gentlemen, tune in Saturday morning. I'll have an extensive piece chronicling the what ifs, some rumors, nonsensical ones circulating the fight, what each fighter needs to do to win, and what constitutes a win for Conor McGregor. That'll be out Saturday morning before the fight on octagon247.com great um i'm gonna have a piece about the meteoric rise and meteoric fall the rise and fall of john jones i've kind of started it and will be working on to have that for you um by early next week and yeah that's about it um, so, hey, something I got to remind you of, it's very important that you, you that are listening to this podcast, that you rate, review, and subscribe. Also, it's also equally important that you find us on Twitter, find us on, what, what else? Find us on Facebook, Instagram. find us on Instagram, and like and follow us there. We'll have uh, exclusive content. And we will have great stuff. So do all those things. Help us to continue doing what we do. And uh, that'll be that. So if you do that, we'll have an episode next week. If not, eh, we won't. Lights are off. (laughs) So on behalf of both Jim Sahara Lights Out Mooney and Andrew Dice Bailey... And the entire crew at Octagon247.com and MMA FanCast. We thank you for listening. This is Ryan Middleton signing off saying thanks. God bless.